This is Dave Chang. And Chris Ying. We are the hosts of Recipe Club. You may have listened to it before, but we are now back on the air, new and improved, with the same hosts that lose every week. I still don't know what the rules are because they've changed as well. Chris, can you give a quick rundown? Every week, we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. We take a user, listener, submitted recipe, and we all cook it with our friends, Priya Krishna, Rachel Kong, Brian Ford, and John DeBerry. And then we talk about what went right and what went wrong. No, I actually really don't want to do this podcast. (laughs) And they are hardly our friends. They are enemies. They are enemies. It's Dave's civil disobedience. If you want to see Dave Chang in an act of civil disobedience, tune into Recipe Club where he will not follow the recipe. I'm contractually obligated (laughs) to make this podcast. (laughs) But I'm here to have a good time. So listen to Recipe Club every week on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new pure leaf blackberry iced tea that we have here at the Spotify studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new pure leaf blackberry iced tea. Visit amazon.com slash pure leaf and enter 20 pure leaf. That's 20 pure leaf for 20% off your purchase of new pure leaf Blackberry iced tea. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dome Media. Whew, we have a good one today. My good friend, my f- I, I really consider her a family member, Christina Tosi, the chef, founder, CEO of Milk Bar, my longtime colleague, my longtime friend, my longtime, yeah, we're, we're, we're brother and sister in every uh, shape and meaning of that word. She has just come out with a book that is not quite a memoir, not quite a cookbook, hybrid. Hybrid is a good word to describe Christina in general. She's a uh, positionless player. If you were following in the NBA, I spent like 18 hours a day with Christina Tosi for six to seven years. Yeah, It's a kind of relationship that I don't know how to describe. And I think we tr- do our best to describe she has been on the podcast before in our first year or so, um, but I feel like it's a different world today, clearly, and she's in a different place. We're all parents, and that's another thing that we weren't uh, beforehand. And I, I think what you try, what we try to explain, and hopefully what you hear is growth, is maturity, and uh, some honesty that we were extremely dumb and young, naive because we only wanted to do like the best work possible and everything else came secondary. And I think you're hearing today, just thinking about our conversation, the word maturity, which is a strange thing. I think when I was cooking, when I was younger and more dumb than I am today, I didn't understand pastry because I didn't have the patience. And I took definitely the, the, the dumb uh, idea that it's not cooking. It was so machismo, my, my understanding of it. And it took me years. And Tosi was the first person to thaw that, to know that actually, no, this is extremely important. It's discipline. It's rigorous. And if you want to be a better cook, you have to become exact, right? And no, am I exact? Clearly no. But in terms of thinking, in terms of making a recipe, in terms of all these things, that's what Christina brought to me is an understanding of science. She is so smart, so um, knowledgeable about things, um, not necessarily autodidact, but she is a mathematician by trade, uh, training. And, um, that was one thing I think that Christina brought a sense of discipline and workflow that we didn't have, right? She just was constantly problem solving and, and, and looking around the corner. Secondly, 
we didn't even have recipes. We, I mean, not recipes. We didn't even have desserts. Mm-hmm. Well, so that because you were serving I mean, ice cream sandwiches from the bodega, yeah, right? Like, yeah, literally, or mochi, like from Hawaii. That's what my question is. Like, really, is like, didn't no, Christina help fundamentally change? You know, I don't know if Momo was here without Christina Tosin. Yeah, and as much credit as she, you know, talks about you know, being able to work together with her, I feel the same. And it's not just Christina, it's so many individuals, uh, but Christina changed the trajectory of a very young company and a bunch of people that work there with her force of nature, her personality, her will, and I'm forever grateful. And I, I couldn't be prouder to know her, to be for her friend, to, to, to call her family, really. Um, we've been through so much together. And that's that's the, just the truth. She changed so much of what we do at the restaurants, and many of the things that she created are things that we still use today. So, and and even before that, if Christina Tosi doesn't get me out of the hellhole with that I was in with the health department because I I I, I said some terrible things to the health department, I'm not here today. You know, I she she is responsible for for me having a business in so many ways. Yeah, and making dessert. Delicious again. <laughs> like she brought fun into it. And, and I, yeah, I mean, I, fun, know, right? Like the stuff you actually want to eat at the end of the meal. Cause there's a reason why you were serving ice cream sandwiches and mochi. So much food history has been condensed, you know, in, 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 in such a short period of time that people don't understand how much has changed and the, the time and place of what desserts were in the mid aughts, right? You had just the beginning of an, uh, a modern approach with Albert Adria and Ferran and Heston and Pierre Aimé. And then you had the, 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 this first, the second generation of American chefs. You had American pastry chefs with Jacques Torres and such, Michel Richard, the name, you know, you had Nancy Silverton's, these, these great American chefs, but they were doing more traditional things. Then you had this wave of uh, Sam Mason's and of the world and, uh, Michael Lasconsis and and that started to change, became more serious. Pastry became a way where you could sort of cut the line to have your own fiefdom to express yourself. Because, you know, if you're a pastry chef, you run your own sort of kitchen. So that that's what was happening. But it was all very serious. It was all macaroons and, you know, very precious French desserts. It was very, very precious. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought that American desserts could be celebrated. Nobody thought this is what, again, if Christina, she would, I know she would agree. Nobody thought like somebody that wasn't doing it a French way could do it. Even Claudia Fleming, who is probably the America's greatest pastry chef, was in that transition of doing it from a French to American style. I think Christina was really responsible for breaking it from the French stranglehold and turning pastries and desserts into something else, you know? And, and that's what was so important. She is so important to all the things that you're eating today on a sweets. She is not single-handedly responsible, but a major force for making sweets and desserts and tasty things fun again. Right. No, this conversation really made me see the line between the two of you, which, you know, like Christina was just not... Not embarrassed by like quintessentially American desserts, funnel cakes and fried apple pies and Dairy Queen and the things that like most of us eat, but would never imagine some version of in a restaurant. Similar to like Momofuku, you know, your your culinary instructor being like pork stock is for savages or like nobody eats ramen. That's cheap food. Like that's the that's the commonality to me is like, wait. People laughed at her. People laughed at her with a soft serve ice cream. They're like... How do you measure the pricks in that? It's got too many stabilizers in it. It's not gelato. It's a, I remember having these conversations, and it was a giant fuck you to 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 the establishment of who decided what on the on the pastry end. And I couldn't be prouder for Christina for changing the game. So listen, uh, we 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 barely dent. The subject matter is at hand, but I think at the very least, even if you don't give a shit about pastry or sweets, it's just, a, I think, a good, honest conversation between two old, old friends. So here you go. Our conversation with Christina Tosi. Christina Tosi joining us. Second 
time appearance on the on this podcast. Last time she was on, the world was a very different place, and um, we were both not parents then, and now we are both parents. As crazy as that sounds, insane, insane. We joke at my house. Um, we started playing this game of like, do you believe in the saying "What a difference a day makes"? And we used to say it back in the day, also before we had a kid, because of how much could change in our relationship, good and bad, and or or good or ch- good and challenging. But also then through COVID and business and like your state of mind, and we were like, God, what a difference an hour makes at this point. But <laughs> two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> I'm just rubbing. Yeah. I'm rubbing all of the t- the tension free zones in my There's forehead. So much <laughs> face rubbing happening on this call. It's amazing. <laughs> the first time the three of us have ever uh, talked in our parent form. I feel like I don't think we've ever been parents all at the same time. This feels yeah. exhausting. <laughs> How is this possible, guys? How did we make it this far? That's crazy. I don't know. You guys, you guys, you, we were just saying beforehand when before you, before we started recording, Tosi was just talking about how you've pack ratted away all of your your old blackberries from the Momofuku days and how you used to joke about when Dave turns 50, you know, you're saving these things and how we're approaching that. We're, we're closer to that than we were when you first started. Like, I mean, we were in our 20s and we joke about, I, I have, I literally have a file, Dave, for when you turn 50. I can't tell you what else is in it because otherwise, <laughs> like, the surprise on your birthday next week is going to be totally ruined, but it's a lot of creepy yeah. stuff for you. Yeah, well, I, 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 I think Christina was was there to witness um, how to say that I didn't think I was going to live past 50 was very clear to everybody because that's how I was living. In, and it's just not that way anymore. I couldn't be further from that person. I'm happier for it. But man, you know, Christina and I go really way, 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 way back. <laughs> I mean, we talk about it all the time, but it's crazy. Yeah, that's where you're just like, oh, God, are we opening the box? I also think it's fascinating that the three of us found humans that believed that starting a life and a family with us was a good idea. <laughs> That like that on some level we would evolve into like steady humans that would be home at night or at least be out with them. I don't even I don't I don't quite understand how the three of us managed that, but Mazel. <laughs> we're very, we're very, we're very deceptive. It's true. We're all tricksters. <laughs> but I mean, so let me I mean okay, so Tosa, you just wrote this book, which is sort of like this memoir slash kind of like credo slash rallying cry to to uh, around joy. Dave just talked about how different he was when he was 25, 26, 27, opening Momofuku, how 50 seemed impossible, how he's a much different person. Like, do you think, were you in a kamikaze place in your 20s? Does your outlook, has your outlook been consistent since that time? Or are you less, did you have an equivalent phase to Dave's craziness early on? I think that, um, well, I Dave can attest to the fact that I'm, very stubborn-minded. I'm probably less stubborn-minded now than I was then, but I've had to get it like beaten out of me uh, by real-world things. I think my I wouldn't describe my kamikaze. My kamikaze did not manifest itself the way same way that it did Dave. I think my kamikaze was like. I'll just work and work will be the most important thing because I believe in, I don't, I have no clue what it's all going to add up to, but I just believe in doing it. And I think my wild streaks were just like really bad judgment calls, but different than Dave's bad judgment calls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I put everything else second to work. And I think that was destructive. Dave also puts everything second to work, but he did crazier things. Maybe he did crazier things out loud and I did crazy things more quietly. But I look back and think about some of the dumb stuff that I did and was just like, why did you do that? That was a bad mm-hmm. idea. Or I had no clue or I had infinite energy. But I'm not even talking about work ethic. I'm just like dumb, dumb stuff that you do with your free time or otherwise. But, but in, infinite infinite energy, though, is an understatement. Um, <laughs> it's remarkable. For, for Christina, I, I, she, she, she is... Um, and I just again, still to this, and all the people I've ever met, I've never met anybody that gets as much done as Christina Tosi. That is just people do not understand the force of nature in terms of how much work got done. And 
I, I know very little people, very few people that would work an 18 hour day, then go home, then run a few miles, then cook and bake and then do all the chores, go to sleep and then repeat and do that like every day. And, you know, we sacrificed everything, Christina. Would you would you recommend that to future generations? Because I don't know how you do it. I don't know if we could have done it any other way. Can you imagine how no, we could have done it? No, I can't other way? I can't imagine. I, like I would only recommend it to someone that seems like it's going to be fun for them. Like why did we do it? I think we did it cuz we were replacing it with a bunch of other things, but we did it cuz we also secretly loved it and it's not you can't fake it, but it also requires that you surround yourself with people who are willing to sort of love you and support you despite it or in spite of it, or maybe even because of it. But like, I don't, we didn't, you know, like we never saw our families. Relationships were only really the relationships you built at work and, 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 and. But I also can't imagine where I would be without it. And I, and I mean it like the work ethic. I mean, the lessons, I mean, the path, I mean, having, having met you and you in my life and all of the things like everything happens for a reason, like your destiny is impossible to miss. So I think it's also sort of like, you just got to walk and you got, you got to walk into anything with an open mind. And if, if you still sort of feel fed at the end of the day, go back and do it again. Um, but I just don't think you can fake any of it in anything you do in life. You can't fake it. Cause it's, you know, what, what do they say? Like you're, you're probably like a 30 year overnight sensation, right? <laughs> like, like it's all the stuff that happens behind the scenes that when no one, when no one gives in, you know, gives a, a damn about you that, um, that actually is what levels up to what you end up doing. But we also like, what was our plan then? Like, what was your plan? <laughs> what was my plan? A little bit of it was just survival, a little bit of it for you is definitely the competitive spirit, but I guess me too. My competitive spirit just like shows up with a smile. Yours shows up with a grimace, but it's the same. My <laughs> smile's a little bit with the same mood as your grimace. Yeah, but your smile is is also has many meanings. It could also mean. Well, you know me well enough to know that the smile. <laughs> you've met my mom, and you know the smile is. I love you, and I care about you. But if you mess with me, I will. <laughs> I will come for you and all of yes. the other things that live with more negative sentiment on the other side too. <laughs> you know, I was, I was reading your book and I couldn't stop but think not only just, you know, all, all, all the, the moments where you came up with these iconic dishes back in the day, but I was wondering, could that have ever happened again? Because I always wonder if there's comps in today's food and beverage world where you see sort of glimmers and I'm not trying to blow smoke up our own ass, but I haven't really seen anything like that since. And it also happened pre mass food media. So that's what made it even more crazy to me, the, the, this groundswell of support for what was happening. And then when you did milk bar, I was, I was really going through in my mind, how special, how insane. And I just don't know if, it's hard to explain to anybody how Milk Bar started. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, it makes no what sense. What you guys did. No. It makes no sense because we also had no plan. But isn't it the whole point of like when you don't have a plan? Like if you tried to do something anew now, like we just know too much. We know too mm. much of what could happen. We know too much. Maybe we're scared. Uh, there's somewhere between awareness and fear of like taking the bigger leaps and the bigger risks. and you also have this theory around like your 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 biggest and best creations happen when you're sort of in the sweet spot of your 20s, 30s. I mean, I remember I used to hate when you said this to me, but you would tell me even in my 30s, like, you're not going to create anything better than what you've already created. Like, your <laughs> expiration date is up. My, I mean, these are things that you do to poke <laughs> me, right? But like you're you're done. Like, you might as well, what are you even waiting for? Like, just marry that dude over there. Just you know, it's cash it in, my friend. Like you are over, like you are overdone at this point. And I remember being so, uh, you, you know me, I think you have known me better than I've known myself on so many different levels. And when someone asked me about all of these bits and pieces of our relationship, I always laugh. Cause I'm like, you were probably like hilariously my best therapy because 
you saw things in me and you never really told me them. You just figured out a way to poke, push, or do whatever it is to leverage. And those things have been things I think about still where I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm going to prove that man wrong. I'm 40 years old and I'm going to figure uh, out how to, yeah. how to create something that is bigger and better than cereal milk or mm-hmm. dense gooey underbaked pie or not frosting the sides of the cake. Like just, just he wait. Just he wait. <laughs> That's going to be your 50th birthday present. But um, it is true. Like, could you recreate it again? I don't know. Everything's a moment no. in time. Could we recreate the last two years again and all the good, the bad, and the other stuff? Good stuff came out. Creativity came out of the last two years. But it's because it had to. We were dire. We were, I think that sort of struggling artist thing is real. And that's, you know, we always used to say when you're backed into a corner, that's when your best work comes out. Whether it's you're backed into a corner and you don't have a lot of ingredients or you're backed into a corner and you're desperate for something to work. I mean, that's the wholeness of Noodle Bar, isn't it? I mean, you brought up a couple of really, I think, interesting points. One is it gives a time, like a timestamp in how we thought because it was, if you didn't keep this mindset of pushing, 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 of survival and growth, then anything that wasn't that you were civilian, right? You might as well just become a normal person. You might as well become a nine to five job. It was an either or proposition and anything that wasn't what we were doing just was, was like, you were, you were them. And I, you were I, I an, out, you was, were an art insider. Yeah, you were an outsider. Yeah, and the only thing that mattered yeah. was being an insider in our little group. And the irony that we are all parents now is crazy because that is clearly not how we were living. We were so dead set centered on creativity, on making dishes, on service, on, on restaurants. It was their sole purpose. I mean, it's crazy to think that way now. And I, 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 I remember because <laughs> Tosi remembers too. I used to have like a spreadsheet of all the great chefs and all the great dishes that were made. And they were almost always made from 25 to 32. It was like a seven year window. And that was my rush. And I told this to all of my friends and all of my peers, like, we got to, we got to get this done now because we're done. We're, we're <laughs> going to be making elevator music. The equivalent of elevator music <laughs> after the 32. It's like, you're going to turn exact. You're going to turn into a pumpkin. But when I think about the stuff that happened then, and clearly there's been great creativity since, there was something about the stuff that you were doing then that was just fucking magic. It really was. Like, I feel like it was like one of those VH1 behind the scenes musics where you're like, you're going back to the album and you're like, oh my God, look at the liner notes. What were we thinking? It's so crazy. I have every, um, every recipe that we ever made at Milk Bar, I have in like these dusty old, like, really sticky, um, like, you know, paper protector sleeves in binders and, 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 and it's fascinating to go back and look at how quickly we were innovating and turning new stuff out for good and for bad. I mean, you used to hose me, you hose me so hard. I'm like barbecue soft serve for like summer flavors, (laughs) Thanksgiving soft serve because no one bought one. Like you just had these eye opening ways of pushing me and it was, I, I always sort of thought, man, if it were, if it fell on someone else's ears, they'd think it was you saying you're a failure. And on some levels you'd be like, you're a failure. But, but I only heard the, like, you can't do it. And, and I only push back on like the, yes, I can. And trying to figure <laughs> out how to unlock that now with the milk bar team <laughs> is fun and fascinating. It's fun and fascinating because you have to be a deep study of like the human psyche, which I think you're a dork, you're a spreadsheet dork, you're an overstudied, like lunatic obsessive in a way that I think most people don't know. And you have this way of seeing people and understanding them and understand like what motivates them in a way that I find fascinating because they're none of the things that you went to school for or, or you were just a student <laughs> yeah, of the, the crazy human brain. The one thing I always knew about you, Tosi, is you would never surrender. I never will, that, by the way, it, it just never, to be I mean, super never clear. Will. Yeah. <laughs> just, and I don't think people understood that about you. So, you know, the the only way to to get you to continue to push is like I, I'll take I'll take a barbecue soft serve ice cream. And I know that you're never gonna take that off. But you're only going to come to your own conclusion about that. But you're only going to take that off because you feel that you've had enough sort of 
creative output to something else. So we would have these tug of war, like pulling on, on these like stupid ideas of like, you're never going to get rid of this. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a bad flavor. I'm just being honest. I know why you're putting it on, knowing full well that you're never going to take it off. And the more I talk about it, the more you're never going to take it off. But knowing how stubborn you are, that you were never going to take it off, you still want to prove me wrong. So you are going to also make all these other dishes be like, you see, look what I've done. And that was, that's how it all happened. And it's, it's so, so funny. And now, of course, I'm sure you see like, there's mac and cheese flavored soft serve. There's everything bagel flavored soft serve. And as like the food <laughs> dorks that we are, I don't know if you do this, but whenever I see it, I laugh because my team now will be like, oh, that's so interesting. Did you see it? And I'll go, yeah, no, I saw it. But I, I have these different guardrails in my head now where I look at that and I go like, that's so 2019. Or sorry, sorry, that's so sorry, that's so 2009. What am I talking about? I skipped a decade, right? Like that's so 2009. Or in like bagel, bagel ice cream land, like Wiley was doing that. Like I go straight into. I have like the Dave Chang. I put on my Dave Chang headset, and it's like Wiley was doing that at you know, at Clinton on Clinton Street, long, long, long ago. And I think it's just interesting the way that it all evolves. To your point, like would we innovate the same way? Because food media has never quite figured out how to, um, I guess, capture and post-date a lot of the innovation. And, and like, it's sort of like if a tree falls in a forest and no one's around, did it, did it really fall? And, like, we're the only ones that are our own historians of what happened. Yeah. And I think that's quite, that's quite interesting. <laughs> I mean, I read Eat a Peach and was so interested to read it because I was, like— how does he see it? Because I have my memory of what happened. What was his, you know, what is your memory of it? And, 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 and I try to do the same thing a little bit in Dessert Can Save the World, though. It's not similarly, like, it's not so much about being a memoir, but it is the 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 things that you go through and remember and experience are like the only things you know to attach onto to make sense of life and what what keeps you going and what makes you never want to surrender or what makes you care about things. Why dessert? Why do you care? Why do you keep doing it? But did you find that writing this book, because when Chris and I were working on our book, my initial with Gabe, my initial thought was every thought and every angle of every opportunity decision scenario is going to be laid out in print, but you can't. You still have to find one angle. And as an example, when you're talking about in the book about soft serve, right? Like, how do you explain all the facets, perspectives, the cubist nature of that decision of all of that? You know, you could have written literally a thousand pages about that moment and what led to that, because whether people are listening or not, the fact that a restaurant, and I don't know how many restaurants I go to, <laughs> not recently, but even the ones that I have gone to, you'd be surprised, sushi shops, pizza shops, everyone serves soft serve everybody. I don't think it, you, you as the writer can't let people know like what I, I mean, you sort of do, but you, you have to be a little bit reserved because people can't. Also, you sound like an old lady. I had to give a talk the other day and I was trying to explain how groundbreaking it was to put soft serve ice cream on the menu at noodle bar back in the day. And they looked at me like I was just no. I was like, guys, there it wasn't a thing then. Like, you know, it, it just wasn't. And I was like, oh my God, I'm that old lady. I'm that old lady but trying to tell that story. people giving you shit. I remember all the pastry chefs in New York being like, Ugh, it's not, it's not ice cream. This is so lowbrow. This is not X, Y, and Z. And I remember when Christina said that, I was like, wow, that's crazy. You know, I, but yeah, sure. It was giving you carte blanche. But then I remember like a year in, every chef contacted me like, hey, can I get the, can I get the base? Can you? Can you let me know what to buy? You created exactly what to do. You did the research. And now, whenever I see a restaurant serving soft serve, this is their progeny of what you, you really created. You didn't invent soft serve. You know? And this is where I feel like talking with Jerry Saltz a little bit. You were like Andy Warhol being the first person to paint with pink. You know? And, and, and I, I, I read that and I'm like, how do people understand the impact of the decisions you made. And now it's now like a viral thing. Everyone has saucer. And I want people to know like, Hey, this actually happened because of 
what you did. It's amazing. Well, it also happened because you were like, I, this is how you mess with me. I want ice cream. Or sorry, I want dessert at Noodle Bar. But you have to prove that, you, like, there was something in between, like, you have to prove your worth. Or that's my, that's my description, not what you would ever say to me. But, like, you have to prove your worth. And you're here. And I want dessert. But no one wants dessert, by the way. And no one wants, no one thinks there's space for dessert. And I heard that as, like, no one thinks there's space for dessert or you or a girl or, 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 or like, everyone's going to hate me if I approach it in a certain way. And it forced me into that, like, corner that you're talking about of like, all right, what do we, what do you make that doesn't require any upkeep from anyone that needs it, that happens, that melts quickly, that gets people happy and then gets them on their way. And, and, and like, this is the perfect storm. This is why, this is why it all worked. This is how it all came together. I didn't just decide soft serve ice cream. I had to be given the old, the old Dave Chang heave ho to get deep into my psyche to go like, what the hell am I going to do? And how is it going to fit? How is it going to fit in, in the universe that you created? And then, and now all of a sudden, I mean, soft serve ice cream it, and now it's perfect, right? Like until you go into like dorky soft serve land, like serving something 15, 16, 18, 20 degrees, people like it more as well because it's warmer. So your taste buds can capture the flavor a bit more and, 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 and all you have to do <laughs> is spend a lifetime in trial and error of figuring out how to mess it up and then how to make it good. But <laughs> that's, that's kind of the secret to it all anyways, isn't it? But there's like this amazing common thread though, because, you know, everyone celebrates, like they celebrate the two of you for vastly different, like final products for what Dave may puts on the table and what you put on the table. But like, there's the same core of like what makes it special, right? When Dave started Momofuku, nobody valued noodles. Nobody thought like this cheap thing can be something similarly, like fine dining restaurants in New York, LA, San Francisco, Chicago, like would never place any value on like your all American upbringing. You know, like you talk about like Midwestern values, Midwestern upbringing, like that didn't have a place. And so like, you know, you've told this story a bunch of times about how cereal milk came about and how Dave charged in through the door and was like, what is this? This is amazing. You know, did you, did you have confidence or is that sort of the product of you two being together that like you saw, oh, cereal milk can be something. It's not too lowbrow. Like soft serve can be something. I just saw you on Fallon, like microwaving Mountain Dew and cake mix. Like That's my favorite dirty like, dessert secret, by the way. It's so I need to gnarly. know what both of yours is. <laughs> like, did you believe in that or is that like what you two working together generated? I mean, from my perspective, it's what the two of us working together generated because how do you know how to be your own editor? You know, like you need you need people who you trust to give it to you straight. And I don't have Dave as my editor now. I'm other people's editor. And then I have other people on my team who are my editor as well. Or I have Will or I have people that I know who, again, will give it to me straight, and then it's up to me to decide whether I'm going to be stubborn about the feedback or not. But I always would make something and go, this is either a good idea or a bad idea. Like, I'm either totally on the mark or I'm totally off the mark. And Dave would always be the one that I fed to sort of go like, yes or no. And in Cereal Milk <laughs> Land, it was so, I was so like, it's either a good idea or a bad idea that I wouldn't even tell him, I didn't even tell him what it was sort of thing because... I think that's the power of great food. You don't, it doesn't need explanation. It either lands or it doesn't land. Like truly great food, the food that can stand the test of time doesn't need an introduction. You want those, that millisecond that happens when you taste something. That's what you want to watch that you know is honest and cannot be fibbed. You can't lie, right? It, it is as pure and honest of an expression and there are many interpretations of that, right? You can say something is good and not really mean that. You can say something is bad, but most people don't lie when someone says it's bad. So I always take negative criticism as truth, right? It's like someone says it's bad. Why are they going to lie about that? Mm, that's when a good someone point. says something is good, it's almost, I feel almost always 90% or so a lie. You know, it's how did not I do? Truthful. Yeah. How did I do? Right. What was this? It's like, that's, it's just lip service. I think also when you're giving someone something to taste we we sort of have a tendency to say do you like it is it good or is it bad but i think really at least for me the checkbox is do you get it do you get it and there's no wrong answer cuz you either get it or you don't get it and if you don't get it i'm for me like i want to make dessert that is 
gettable. And I think that's Dave's whole put. That was Dave's whole push. We're like really hammering barbecue soft serve home, but the sort of like, <laughs> no, I get it. Like it's it's obvious what it is, but like, is it gettable? And gettable is like, do you want to eat it when no one? Do you want to eat it unapologetically when no one's looking? Do you want to eat it like for me, microwaving Mountain Dew and cake mix or like putting M&Ms in a glass of hot water and like, you know, straining it off and mushing it around. I don't need anyone to tell me that that's gettable because I'm not trying to serve it to anyone except for myself. And I know it's gettable. Like it lands. Does it like, does it do something to you and for you? I think that's inevitably what we're asking when we feed people and go, what do you think? And it is that Ratatouille Proustian moment, right? That's what you're, that's what you want, where in that second you are transported to someplace else. And It's very hard, which is why, you know, I, I don't even know where that list is. Those are the list of dishes of people that have made something amazing that hit that mark. It's, it's, you know, maybe you'll get one. You're lucky if you get one of those, but that's what we're after. We're all addicts in some way. And, and when I think about that time and period, just again, reading the book and us just talking about it now, and now as a parent, now that we're we have life partners and I see gray say, I don't want to think in this deprivation mode anymore. Dave. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, just, it, it has become pathological for me and it's something I'm trying actively to change because, or grace will tell me you can't, this isn't work. You can't think about it this way. So however we lived then is just not applicable now. And I'm grateful that we had that opportunity. I'm not nostalgic, but like we did it. I don't have to think about, oh, I wish I did it. Like we actually lived that life. But now it's become so ingrained in in me still that when I hear Grace say this deprivation stuff is is a a buzzkill, you know, stop. But isn't that also the way you were built with your parents? That's the way my mom built me 100%. She was like, smile, smile like you mean it every single time because... You do on some level, even if you are pissed. And then also, like, don't spend a penny that you don't need to. Like, those are the two biggest dessert can save. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I know your parents raised you the same way. Maybe less so in dessert, but definitely more so in deprivation mode. And I hate using um, the description of deprivation or whatever. But in every sense of the word, I know for both of us, and it doesn't justify anything, but I do know that every waking day, Every email, every text, every phone call, every envelope that you open was something that was going to like take something from you or end something that you cared about. Every second was survival. We that, that's like how we lived. And out of that sort of struggling moment, amazingly delicious fruits were born. <laughs> Do you think right? the mindset ever goes away? I don't think it ever goes away for me. No, it's now, a, it's now, also a badge of honor, which is probably um, a um, an unfortunate badge that I hold on to because yeah. I only know how to do it one way. Right. Like as open minded as I am when we're, I don't know, creating or playing with flavors or formats or X, Y, Z. I'm very, I'm very singular minded in certain ways. And it's I have to I, I have in my old age started getting better at contextualizing that I only know what worked for me and this is the way, but it's like this badge of honor that I'm like, it works this way and it's the only way to do it. Um, in an absolute, in an absolutist way. Uh, I, I, I say that laughing cause I'm like, you're the most absolutist. You're probably the only other person I know that's, as, that's more absolutist than I am. We could have an absolutist <laughs> challenge and we could really, that could be our final knockdown drag out fight. Who's more absolutist? Yeah. This is, this is really You'd true. be louder, but, but I'd I don't smile think it bigger. I don't think this changes, Christina. Like when I see my mom, who has lived in America for 50 years and still everything that's in the refrigerator or her pantry is like she's feeding 50 people. It's because she didn't have food. And, you know, it's, she, it's just the mindset. And I, I just, sometimes I marvel. It's a complex thing to talk about, but you're probably the only other person I can talk about it is all the good that came out of it and all the bad. And we're left now trying to sort of pick up the pieces, but that's it. I mean, in like book form, right? Like I didn't write any part of the book in chronological order one, because to your point, like 
how there's not enough, one, there's not enough pages, and two, I would never bore someone with all the stories. Three, maybe sometimes I feel like the stories are sacred and they're for us to, you know, there are certain ones that you're just like, they're sacred and and they happened and and they just stay with you, but they don't need to be put into words. But trying to make sense of what happened and put the pieces of the puzzle back together to sort of go, wait, what does this all mean? And what is it trying to tell me? That like forever infinity symbol, that treadmill that I know is going to keep going, that treadmill that I'm going to like wake up at 5 a.m. and get on literally and metaphorically I I love that. That is part of that is part of my life and it will it will always be part of my being. But I also have no clue. I have I have every clue and no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I mean, I, I guess I I understand. So, Tosi, I want to ask you this because you and I have both worked for Dave as long as anybody or, you know, been partnered up with him for so long. I understand, like, the deprivation mindset. I also understand, like, how wary both of you constantly and always will be of, like, what's around the corner, what's in that envelope and all of that stuff. You know, there's this this other thing, though, you know, you talk about in your book and, and I, there's, there's this sentence where you're like, we all know people who are too busy or too all business to celebrate themselves or who shy away from big overt gestures of acknowledgement or support or love. And I was like, I think Tosi and I know the same person who is like that, you know, and I think the part that because I, I, you know, I, I share a lot of this mentality with Dave, but the part that I think I have a hard time with with him is like Dave does not stop at any moment yeah, he's relentless. to be like we did this. We did this thing, you know, and it can be sometimes to our detriment. I feel like, you know, sometimes we, and I'm the same way in, in, in many respects, like we don't like to promote something we just did. We don't, you know, Dave hates promoting anything that he's, he's made, you know, and he always has a reason why he doesn't want to do promotion. But I think at the end of the day, he just doesn't like to celebrate the stuff. You know, you're in this book telling people to kind of celebrate any, every occasion you can, even the failures, like, are you the same as Dave in that respect? Do you remember like him not slowing down when like the accolades started piling up and like the success became obvious or or, or what? No, I remember. I mean, it, I am similar to Dave in that way. I think the other part of it too is like celebration can look, I think a lot of people think celebration is like, I don't know, rainbow sprinkles. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like I appreciate that I am also in part responsible for that, that like celebration has to be big and covered in frosting and rainbow sprinkles in and in. But celebration can be, can look, can look like so many different things. Celebration can literally be a moment where you put your Blackberry down back in the day of the Blackberry down <laughs> and you just take a freaking breath before you close your eyes and pass out to wake up and do it again. Just a moment of like, holy shit. Okay. Game on tomorrow or whatever it is. But I'm, I'm definitely like him in that regard. And there's a, it's just taking a moment. And I don't mean that in like woo woo self-help. Like I just mean it in the the way of like, if you don't market, then what happens if you don't market and maybe you market later, maybe you market 20 years later, you know, but if you don't market, then you move from Dave getting all these accolades to inevitably what happened in his head. And we've never had this conversation, but I know him well enough to know, like the second he gets one, he's going, 
he's worried about what that means. He's worried about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen in a negative domino effect, and then how he has to raise his game or rage against something to protect what he's built up into that point to protect it. I mean, that's I started working for and with him when he was when that was happening and he was just like I have to start sprinting now. Um but I think taking a mo- like taking a moment or surrounding yourself at least with one or more people that will figure out how to take a moment or at least how to laugh at the la- right now could be the moment, you know? Taking a beat and laughing about it and being like that happened, dude. I'm going to make a folder for you. That says, for Dave on his 50th birthday, that is my version of, like, how was I going to celebrate Dave Chang? There was no—you think for a second he was going to slow—I know how to read the room, right? You got to read the room as well. It was like, when he's 50, I'll figure out where he is and I'll embarrass him. And I believe that he (laughs) will leave to 50 even though he didn't, but I will figure it out and I'll figure out how to get this to him. do not doubt you, because wherever I am in the world on my birthday, somehow magically a fucking parking <laughs> always appears. Always. I don't know how she does it, <laughs> so I have no doubt. But you know, I you know if I have a regret, and I have many, but one of the regrets I think about is is not enjoying it, right, and, and mm-hmm. celebrating it. I feel Tosi that you were able to celebrate it at least more than I was when shit got crazy for you because it happened. You know, you. Your life changed dramatically. And I felt that you were always more accepting of it or um, you at least handled it better <laughs> from, from my perspective. I think getting to stand by you as you as it happened to you gave me some perspective. And we talked a lot in the early days of Milk Bar about team. And you were always worried that my team would leave me. That was, that was always the like, they're going to leave you. They're going to leave you one day and it's going to suck. And, and, and this again was one of your ways of like poking me. And Mm -hmm. I, that statement would always sit with me where I was like, he's right. He's right. And what do I do about it? And the, the sort of like two, two things that I always think about, um, though they don't come, the first doesn't come naturally to me. The first was if you don't stop and celebrate it, then you're doing every single person that helped you along the way a disservice. And that is such a selfish way to think about it. And so I tried to train in my mindset early on that it's not about, like, even if someone tries to make it about me, it's not about me. And I have to think about it in a bigger way. My mom did not accept. She she hated what I did. My parents didn't get it. We didn't really talk anyways, because to your point, we were like workaholics. But I remember the moment that she, it felt like she accepted it. And it was because I worked for Wiley and Wiley was like on some show, who knows, the Today Show, the this, the that. But she was like, oh, that's the place that my kid works. And it gave me just new fuel to be like, if I don't stop and say yes to things and celebrate and look back, then all of the people that helped me along the way are getting shortchanged and that's not okay. Um, And then... The other piece of it um, in like team retention standpoint was just like, if they leave, which they will, because no one's going to be with you forever, except for like maybe your life partner. You just have to accept the fact that you're going to ask so much of people every single day. And what you owe to them in return is that when they, if, and when they do decide to leave, that you give them the same support, that you figure out how to get over yourself and how to get over like feeling like someone is saying to you, you're not, I'm done learning from you. Like I have, I think I'm better than what all the crazy things that go through your head as a boss and to just figure out in your brain how to say, you gave so much to me and the thing that I owe to you is to figure out how to cheer. Like you cheered me on all these years. How do I cheer you on? And I think again, that's like that weird maturity thing that comes with age and comes with the crazy things that go through our head. But um, that's for me, it's the survival, it's a survival <laughs> mode. That's actually yeah. a survival mode of like, if I don't stop and celebrate, I won't survive. You, you guys are so also my mom, you, if you've ever met my mom is the most celebratory person. So like yes. she was never going to let you get away with it anyway. She was going to throw me a <laughs> surprise birthday party, <laughs> even though she knows I hate surprises and I definitely don't want a birthday party. And she was going to do it anyways. Cause she was just like, I don't care. I don't care whether you don't want it or not. I want it. And that's all, that's all there is to it. Greta rules. It's just so funny to me how how 
how young the two of you are and still incredibly productive and how you're just sitting here like two old people on a porch being like, yeah, we used to do stuff. We used to work really hard. I, this is bullshit. You two work so hard still. Like family has just been folded into like another thing. You're going to work so hard at making great. And it's just funny watching the two of you be like, it is, it, the parent yeah, thing will be fun for I can't get up for, for anything anymore. I can't do it. You know? Yeah. I guess it is the parent thing. It slows things down a little bit and like it, or it slows the, the crazy moments down for just a moment. But I think you're, I think you're going to be a great parent. I think you'll do it for, for the kids. I think you'll imprint the kids in a great way. It's funny is like when we're talking about this and I'm sure you feel some way similar is when we reflect or I reflect about those days, those early days, my great regret is we didn't have any work-life balance. We had nothing. That didn't exist. It didn't exist. But, but what is work-life balance? Like I think about it, like it's not 50, 50, it's whatever. It's a ratio, my friend. Like it's, and it's whatever ratio whatever ratio serves you or serves your family or, ba- or or keeps in ratio the commitments you've made. And we didn't have home commitments. So work life, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's the, this question of like, cause it's like everyone's favorite question that they lob over in an in interview or in conversation with or what have you. And, but it's the one that haunts me because I sort of go, am I just, my answer is always, uh, in the sort of like, what would you do, do differently? What did you wish you had then or knew then that you have or know now? And my answer in different ways is typically, I don't know that I'd change anything. And that's not because mm-hmm. I don't have regrets. I have plenty. And it's not because I'm not ashamed of the way that I've acted or behaved in certain moments or or, or definitely am. <laughs> but uh, like, otherwise, how do you learn humility and how do you learn patience and how do you figure it out if you can't apply it? And it's like my number one thought, my number one, like shout in the shower, coming out, like whatever it is, that moment of calm that I have in my day. I asked myself that question this morning, like, would I change anything? Would I, would I wish that I learned something different? And I don't think I'm, I don't think that it's, I'm just like being cute on the other side. I can't come up with a reason why I would want to have learned something sooner other than like to your earlier point, like efficiency. Well, then I could have gotten this done this way. I would have done it differently. It would have happened here quicker. I would have had five more minutes to do blah, 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 blah with. But um, I'm I'm humbled by it all in a way that um, I don't know. I don't know if it's the big 4 or what, but I don't... Uh, <laughs> I, I consider like, if this is it for me, like I would consider my time working for you, my time in friendship with you both, like a, a part that I hold sacred and dear in like the most quiet, humble celebration possible because, um, I just can't make sense of it any other way. Like what if things happen? I don't know. It's the sort of like your destiny is impossible to miss. Like that's, that's the whole definition of destiny. We walk around stressed out about like what we didn't learn and what we should have learned, heard a houlda, woulda, coulda, shoulda quicker. And I think there's something about like, it happened, man. I don't know what to tell you other than I'm trying to figure it out and do, and do as good as I can. Uh, and just keep, just keep pushing forward. (laughs) And trying to figure out how to like unlock more dessert. How, like yeah. I still these to this day, my newest obsession late at night is like, it's probably the same obsession, but I, cu- I come at it with a different lens. Cause I'm like, now I have something to deliver a tiny human to deliver something home to. And I pull out these bins of just whatever my random Ziploc baggies of like open chocolate chips and freaking crushed graham crackers. Cause Frankie's been in there gnawing around or whatever it is. And I'm still looking at the same ingredients and going, trying to figure it out. And inevitably it's, I'm, I'm trying to like figure out what's my next dirty dessert secret or figure out what's our next creation at milk bar and how do we best our best. And it's the same Sisyphean, like it's the same boulder and I love it. It, 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 I am, I get so sick of so many things so quickly. And it's the, it is the single thing I just never get sick of. Never gets old. And one thing I, I wish I could amend because I feel like you're on this trajectory yourself. When I was younger and trying to keep tabs of what everyone was doing, what their creativity, what their best, best, best was, and that you're done after 32, right? That was just like, 
I didn't think I was going to live past 35, whatever. But now I think that in some ways that's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you want that to be the case, right? And I think it's our responsibility to, to find new ways to be better and to create new ways. And honestly, you know, this over the years, we've had a lot of conversations with someone like Jerry Salt and art, but like, I look at someone like Jasper Johns, who's 91 and still pumping out art that is at a world-class level. And the reason why we feel they may be exceptions to the rule is maybe the narrative is that's just what we celebrate is to celebrate this. You're young, you're dumb and you're in deprivation, <laughs> but maybe there are more artists out there. There are more creativity happening, but it's just not getting the platform to be celebrated. You think, cause so, it's just not as sexy. Yeah. I, I, not just, there's a variety of reasons, but I think it's gotta be a shift, right? Because I have no doubt that what you're creating still to this day with your team at milk bar is as delicious or more delicious. It's just done in a different way. And why would you want to be stuck in that same version of a, you know, mid twenties, Christina Tosi? Yes, that was awesome, but you can't do that anymore. And no, it's got to come that, out in different ways. I'm sick of, I would be sick of that person. I'd be sick of that mindset. I'd be sick of the way we looked at flavors and put them together. I mean, it is the like evolve or die, right? And that's like the beauty of that's the beauty of it all. When I come to one of the Momos, like Major Domo is my favorite one to go to because I know that on that menu is, uh, I'm getting the freshest Dave Chang takes. Like I know where your head is at in food when I go to Major Domo. And that like it that brings me great joy because to your point, it's stuff that would have never would have never come out of your head 20 years ago. It would have never flown. You would have thought something totally different about it. But also if you put together the flavors that you did 20 years ago on the menu now, well, one, they'd feel so passe because everyone's copycatting you, right? Uh, but also they were just a moment in time. And we don't live in the past, we live in the present. And I think that's the beautiful part of what we, yeah, that Sisyphean complex around food and what we're, what we're always going to do. Like whether you have a restaurant or I have a bakery or not, when we're 50, are we going to stop like cooking and baking and putting things together? No, I'm still going to figure out where you are and send you a birthday cake. And it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a spin on two things that are like, you know, swimming off in my crazy little imagination of desserts that I think should live together. And that's the best part of it. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I mean, it, it does well, need to, so <laughs> it needs to be said because you've, you've, you mentioned a couple times, Christina, like, I think there's, there's like a certain skepticism when you see how much energy you have and like how much love you have for sweets and like this positive outlook that you're, you're putting forward in the book. But like, I've never met anybody <laughs> and why I love both you and Dave is like, Oh, when the cameras are off or no one's looking like Tosi's still eating sweets. What the fuck is going on? Like Dave isn't like one of these chefs who's like, I don't actually want to eat any of this food when nobody's looking. Like it's it's like a real genuine crazy thing. Here's my question. Dave and I went without sugar for a month last month. No sugar, no starch, no fruit. I lasted two weeks. Dave lasted two weeks. Oh, I was like, there's but no like, way you did that for a month. I love you so much. There's know, no way a, you did that. For he went super hard. He went super hard into it. He had a bunch of travel obligations that threw him off. But like, we didn't realize that if we went without sugar for like a day, we would have legitimate withdrawals. What do you think would happen to Christina Tosi if you just like eliminated sugar for a week? She won't play by those rules. That's just not even <laughs> something that would happen. Oh, you're going to call happen. me a cheater? Yeah. No, I don't think you do I'm it. just simply saying that like, you wouldn't play that. I mean, you would play that game, but also you wouldn't play that game, I think. And you eat less sugar than you used to because it used to be crazy. It, used to be it was how much crazy. Sugar. Crazy. I now know that there's a healthier version of Christina Tosi out there. But plenty I of sugar, that, but not like I'm going to. I remember going to Aspen for Aspen Food and Wine once with you and the guys. And I remember having like, um, I don't know if it was pre-Halloween or post-Halloween, but you know, the big bag of like little miniature candy bars and I would just eat them all day and all night. And I was like, I don't need coffee. I'm not even hungover, you know, cause you just keep the sugar train going and it's fine. And then of course the take, the case of take five candy bars for my birthday, how quickly did I, did I eat those? Yeah. Game on. It was, yeah. God, she, it's so I mean, real though. Like I just, I need people to understand that like, <laughs> 
see can uh, like maybe the I'll eat, I'll eat so anyone much, under the like, table. Also, do you like that I've already turned it into a competition? You wanted to know what would happen if I do need sugar, and to Dave's point, she would never succumb to those rules. I've already yeah. I've already changed it into who can eat the most yeah. sugar. Well, like yeah. you said, he knows how to put you guys know how to push buttons there. You just immediately like, oh, I'll outlast Dave. Then. No, Fine. but I have I have played like the theoretical game before in my head, and I said the only way I would even conceive conceive of doing it is if like if something were happening to Will or something were happening to Frankie and we all had to go on a crazy diet that's the only way that we could do it because it would have to be a force bigger than myself to even get me <laughs> to conceive right. of it this is true this is just on this is just brass tacks honesty I was just like right. babe I would do it for you if you were dying and this was the only way that we could do it I would do it for you or for Frankie like if we all had to do it together but that that could be the only thing bigger, something bigger than myself to be the motivation. And even right. then, obviously, it would be a challenge. But I, you couldn't convince <laughs> me to do it otherwise. <laughs> see, I'm I am like the joyful female version of Dave. But you can see, I'm already I've already mentioned death like six times, but with a giant got, smile on my face. It got so dark so fast. <laughs> just asking what would happen to you? Need sugar? Dosey's like, if Will was dying, <laughs> yeah, it's, you, know, you're, you know, she describes herself as this optimist. I agree, but it's not. <laughs> I just described Christina as. Winner. She's a winner. She yeah. will win. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's the, what I. Right. And her, her optimism win. comes from her yeah. belief that she will win because she will. Because I will destroy you if you're in my path. No, okay, but I want to know about this sugar challenge. Um, like, what's the dessert you missed the most? Or what was the dessert that you went back to and like eyes closed, no one's watching you, all of it's like the reason dessert exists in my mind in this world, glory. What was it for each of you? Can I can I tell you the truth? Um, when we were in La- I was in Las Vegas, I was eating at Momofuku in the Cosmo and they dropped a milk bar pie and cereal milk ice cream and it took all of my willpower not to taste it. I wanted it so bad. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't call it and go, it's good, but it wasn't great. Because that's something you would do just to make sure that I had my eyes on Vegas. You know what I mean? FedEx me a sample of that cereal sauce. No, I'm just joking. That's not how everybody. No, and, and, I, and I did it. And I was, I was so proud of myself that I didn't break. So that's what I wanted. And I wanted it badly. And I didn't eat it at all. Dave and I both would have said, and you know otherwise, but like we would have both said, like, we don't really care about sweets that much. We don't eat dessert. Always. But like that's always what boys say. I'm not trying to gender the situation, but no, it's a boy thing for sure. It's like, I don't like sweets. I don't like sweet things. I don't like sweet cocktails. Uh. Whatever yeah, you do. Like when I saw I saw like a cake and I was like, I don't never in a million years would anybody get me to say, like, I just want a piece of cake. But I was like, I need a fucking piece of cake. I'm dying. That's just what that about was dirty disease dessert. Yeah, I needed a, my kid's birthday cake and I ate it and I, I was just like the greatest thing in the world. It was like just some crappy cake. The grocery store my, sheet cake. That frosting yeah. is not to be missed. It's not It's not to be missed. My dirty dessert secret is honey bunches of oats with like half milk and half vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say heavy cream, which I also would have accepted as a dirty oh dessert secret. <laughs> like... Heavy cream, but only if you eat like three bowls of honey bunches of oats because you know like what's left below is also just pure sugar. It's like a river yeah. of sugar milk. I know. I need a I eat that with like three lactates. And that's my honey that's bunches my of oats dessert. is a very special is a very special also O's. I would have accepted O's. Ooh, yeah. O's, O's is a for is an, sure. It's an undercover. Wait, what is your what's your dirty dessert secret? Or what do you what do you make for yourself or for Grace when Me? you both are like, so, I need dessert? I honestly, just an I'll, orange, I, I, just a perfectly ripe orange. Any, no, no, anything that's <laughs> sweet. On a right? Like, well, there's chocolate milk. I'll tell you, like, it's anything that's sweet that is uh, like dairy based. Anything could be chocolate bar. Currently, you know what it is? It's drinking all my son's chocolate milk. <laughs> Wait, you're <laughs> you're scamming Hugo out of chocolate milk on the regular? <laughs> Oh, 100%. Slam. That was a yes. 100%. <laughs> yes. Because you know what I when I, I found out is, you know what is amazing? Chocolate milk. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's literally the best, one of the best creations of all Wait, time. Wait, are like, you I buying it? Are you it. making it with Nesquik or are you buying it pre-made? 
buying it pre-made. Okay. I just want to, I just, it, I would like to submit this into consideration because I haven't thought about this for 30 years, but my favorite thing to do is like a, a preteen. Um, my mom was always trying to figure out how to get me to drink more milk. She would buy Nesquik. And if you, if you like triple dose Nesquik to a glass of milk, it is <laughs> relevatory. I just want to say it's almost like brownie batter, but drinkable brownie batter rel- relevatory. I just submit it for consideration. Send Hugo over. I'll teach him everything he needs That's to know. So intense, but but make like, your own chocolate milk. If you can milk. make a speedball out of Nesquik <laughs> and milk, it's unbelievable. I forgot about that. My mom would be like, why are you going through Nesquik so, so fast? I don't know. <laughs> Chocolate milk. I love that that's your thing. That's my thing. That's been my late at night. Um, I'm chugging. I'm chugging it. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. Uh, that's adorable. It's, the little it's so good. It's, it's so but good. But look at you. I just want to say you both went from like serious, slightly grimaced. You're both sitting up tall, fucking all and perky, smiling, talking about literally the combination of chocolate and milk and agreeing. Uh, this is what I'm oh, talking she, about, my she friends. She got us, Chang. She got, she got us. us with this desserts can save the world. God well, Christina, um, I think we all have to get back to parenting duties. Yes, but um, <laughs> are you? Are you? Um, what else do you have on the docket besides the book? You have. We're okay. So newest to the milk bar menu, it it drops later this week. Is what our take on carrot cake is, which I had to go sort of like long and long and hard and thought on, but it's basically a love child between a carrot cake and a rice krispie treat. It's really good. What? Um, oh yeah, it's God. not to be missed. It's definitely the thing that is is also I I like to take it and um either microwave it or throw a slice of it on like a griddle these days. That's like my Will is out of town for has been out of town for the past month, so I've been in like single parent mode, which for me basically just means that every night I convince myself <laughs> that I've worked so hard I can just I can eat dessert and I'm not I don't eat I don't eat dinner because I'm just like what for I don't need to be an adult right now you know what I mean like I don't I'm not trying to pretend to my partner like I can be normal with him so that's that's currently what's what's on the wraps and it's just I mean it's just figuring out what milk bar it's it's continuing on this like what how did this happen and what is milk bar and what does it want to be and what does it need to be both for, for me and for the incredible team and then just for the world, like how we show up, what is what is that? Because I think that's the inter- the other interesting part of like the food business. You know, you have all these ideas, but also I think one of the one of the things you taught me both both in words, savage or otherwise and in action, like people also tell you what they what they want and what they need and what resonates and what's gettable. And for me, it's just like showing up every day and figuring being like, all right, what's up next world? What are you going to throw at us next? And just like enjoying that journey and being in a hurry. Cause you know me, I'm always in a hurry while running 10 minutes late and then just relishing in it, changing poopy <laughs> diapers, eating carrot cake for, for dinner and just trying to stay happy. The truth. That's so beautiful. I know this is true because rarely do you see Christina actually consume normal human food. <laughs> it's been epic. I haven't had to make dinner, look at dinner, pretend like I'm interested in savory food for dinner in a month, guys. I'm on cloud nine right now. Oh that journey God. is going to come to an abrupt end in a few short days. Normal human food. <laughs> Amazing. Anyways, miss Thanks. you guys. Happy to see you. Chocolate. You know what? Thanks. I might, I might, I might go out and buy myself some Nesquik to make a to make a super duper chocolate milk in honor of you. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> well, Good lord. Thank you. Bye guys. Thanks, Tosi. Well, that was Christina Tosi. Go check out her many books, her TV shows, uh, Milk Bar. Go go buy some cake truffles. Go buy some cakes and cookies they're at whole foods they're at your local store milk bar is not only going to uh, desserts not only going to save the world milk bar is going to run the world and we'll all be better for it so thank you christina for joining us and um go check out her newest book uh, give us five stars however you rate this podcast talk to you guys later